today. I think they're sending somebody at one o'clock. Okay, okay, and Amber! Mom, I'm right here. You don't have to yell. Alright, everyone remember, tonight we have dinner with Grandma, so everyone is home by five o'clock. What? No, I'm supposed to go to the mall with Chris and Stacy. You no. said I could. No, no, no. We've had this on the calendar for a month. We are going out to dinner with your grandmother. That's not fair. You said I could go. Amber, I'm sorry you misunderstood. This is not negotiable. You are coming with us tonight wherever we're going. But Amber, that's enough. We are having dinner tonight with your grandmother. But I thought that- Amber! Fine! This ain't a song for the broken hearted. No silent prayer for the faith departed. you're disappointed and I'm sorry that there was a mix-up but you have to know your dad and I are not trying to ruin your life I know mom you know sometimes it just feels like we're moving a million miles in a million different directions and it's really important that we try and stay connected as a family you guys are gonna be gone in a couple years and I don't want to look back and think that we missed one second of our time together do you understand yeah I get it See we're together as we walk on by And we fly just like birds of a feather I won't tell no lie All of the people around us they say Can they be that close? Just let me stay for the record We're giving love and Sure. 
singing that song all week now. <laughs> yes, well done to our creative team. We are family, and we're going to look at that today. But before we do, I want to welcome all of our campuses that are watching on video. Can you welcome them with me? Good to have you with us. Yes. And we are family, one church, multiple locations. Now, as we uh, look at this week, we're looking at uh, a family that was dysfunctional. We talked about them last week, and we're going to talk about them this week. And if you have your Bibles, turn me to Genesis chapter 50 and hold your spot there, all right? But for those of you that may have missed it or those of you that need a little review, uh, we've talked about dysfunctional families, and then we talked about that there's hope for the family, and today we want to look at how to make our family that functioning whole family that God wants us to be. So again, just a little review for those that might have missed it or need a little review. Genesis 37, we talked about a guy named Jacob. We talked about his 12 sons, his one daughter, and the dysfunction that was going on in that family. We talked about uh, he was an absentee dad. We talked about the fact that the brothers weren't good. Uh, Jacob himself uh, was, was not the father he was supposed to be. Joseph wasn't the son he was supposed to be. But we said that there was hope in all this dysfunction. And uh, I shared a little bit about our family and a little bit about somebody took the stand to say the dysfunction has to end. And if you're going to hear this, somebody has to take the stand to say the dysfunction will end. And my mom and dad did that in our family. And uh, I was raised in a great, great family. But after preaching about dysfunction, uh, I can't tell you how many people came up to me and told me about all their dysfunction. And uh, I'm just glad you're in church right now, all right? You know, I'm just glad you're here. Um, you know, one, one guy came up to me and said, yeah, my, my dad was drunk probably five out of seven nights a week. And uh, when I was 18, one night he pushed me and uh, I was bigger. So I pushed him back and knocked him down. And my mom ran in the living room and said, hit him again, hit him again. He won't remember in the morning, you know, a lot of pent up, you know. Now he's a pastor now, so I thank God for that. And uh, not the dad, the son, but see, there's hope, there's hope. And somebody's got to say the dysfunction ends. And I had the privilege of growing up in an amazing home because my mom and dad said the dysfunction ends. It stops here. And if you're here, I believe it's your responsibility to say, I will be part of the solution. The dysfunction stops. It ends here. Um, if someone doesn't stand up 
and, and stop the dysfunction, the cycle just continues over and over again. Uh, Rihanna and Eminem, they have a, a song right now, uh, I Love the Way You Lie. And it's all about the dysfunction and the abuse and then I'm sorry and then back to the abuse and then the passion. And it's this vicious cycle of dysfunction and it's really popular right now. And it's, it's just saying that there's such dysfunction, it's this cycle. And if somebody doesn't stand up and break it, you will live in that dysfunction and you'll think that it's normal. And it's not. God has so much more for your family than dysfunction and you've got to grab a hold of that. And that's why we want to give you the hope and the things to add to your family today. Now, um, in, in Genesis 45, I'll just read real quick uh, that, and then I'll jump to Genesis 50 where you're holding your spot. In verse 7, Joseph is talking to his brothers, and he's saying, guys, you sold me into slavery. You thought it was a terrible thing, but God has turned it around and used it for good. And in verse 7, he says, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, uh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. And so Joseph was saying, guys, you sold me into slavery. You were dysfunctional brothers, but God had a plan. I interpreted Pharaoh's dream. I'm number two in command, and uh, now I'm able to take care of the family. I'm able to save us all because I was sold into slavery. So it was a bad thing, but it turned out to be a good thing. And so what we have here in this story, they're living in, in just peace right now. They're living in some peace, and I, they had all sorts of money because, you know, Joseph is second in command, and so he's got land for him and money. He's taking care of his family. And they're living what I would call kind of like, I would just call it a dysfunctional peace. A dysfunctional peace. And here's why it was dysfunctional, because the whole time inside they realized, like, our brother could still get us. We really haven't asked for forgiveness. We haven't really apologized. And dad's alive. And, and as long as he's alive and being the referee over us, we think we're okay. But uh, we just are kind of enjoying the money, enjoying the good things, but really not fully functional like we're supposed to be. And how many know that money covers dysfunction? Do you know that? Money covers dysfunction. You throw money at it, you take vacations, you take money, and you have hobbies, you take monies, you buy money, you buy more cars, you do things, you say, we can all do this, we can all do that. And in their case here, money was covering up their dysfunction until dad dies. Until dad dies. Now in Genesis 50, reading in verse 15, this is what it says. It said, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. 
So this is a dysfunction that's going on still until dad dies, and then all of a sudden they realize there's a change in the structure. There's a change going on. What are we going to do? Is our brother going to have vengeance on us? Is he going to take it out on us? And I, and, I, and I just think he had to be an amazing man of God because how many know that you could have just been plotting and just planning? Like, if I ever see my brothers, if I ever get the opportunity... Matter of fact, I'm second in command in Egypt. Maybe I ought to go looking for him. You know what I mean? Get a little search party. I mean, he had to be an amazing man of God because they show up and he, he forgives them and he moves on. And the reason that he weeps in the text is because they don't realize they've been forgiven. They don't realize that he's not holding a grudge, that he's moved on into wholeness and into functionality. I mean, he's good and they're still living in their dysfunction, but the money and dad is covering it up. And so in this moment, he's like, guys, I, I, I forgive you. You've got to understand this. It's all good. I've moved on. And the amazing thing is he lives to be about 110 years old, and there's peace in this family, and they start living in the wholeness that God intended them to be living in this whole time. Now, I want to give you hope today, and I want to grab a couple things from this story um, and apply them to what we're going to call six family vows. Six family vows, and these apply to everybody. They uh, apply to dads, moms, kids, single parents. They uh, apply to grandparents. And there's six family vows kind of captured from the story that we're looking at here. And, and we're going to apply them to our lives. And I believe if we apply them, we're going to be able to move from dysfunction to wholeness and uh, the way that God wants us to be, all right? So the first one that I would give you from this is, um, number one, we will spend quality time together. We will spend quality time together. And in this story from last week and this week, we saw that Jacob was kind of a, an absentee dad. He did not spend the time with his boys. He did not spend the time with his family like he was supposed to. He was withdrawn. He did not spend the time uh, correcting the things that he should have correct. And if we're going to be uh, the family that God has called us to be, we're going to have to spend quality time time together, but I believe that we're very dysfunctional in this. A survey was done, and they asked families, they said, if you could spend five more hours a week together, or your family could make $10,000 a year more, do you know what percentage chose the $10,000? 83%. would rather have $10,000 more in their family budget than have five hours a week together more than what they have. They said it, it's not worth the trade-off. And when you look at it, when you talk to kids, when you talk to kids and you say, what's your best memories of, of your parents? What's the best thing they've done? They'll say things like, we build a fort in the basement. We played tag one night till nine o'clock. You know? And mom and dad are like, what about Disney? You know, all that money for Disney? Remember, you know, we spent all that money because dad was making the $10,000 more rather than having the five hours at home. And the kids were like, yeah, Disney was fun. But you know what was really cool? Playing checkers. And you're like, oh, all right. Quality time. Quality time. Spending the quality time. And this is a vow as a family. We've got to say that we will spend the quality time together. We will do it. And it doesn't... We, we keep chasing after more money, more stuff, more things, thinking our family will be happier if we give them all the more, and they're just saying, more time, more time. And this goes for every one of us. 
all of us having the time with each other. Matter of fact, I found this in Time magazine. I thought this was so interesting. They said the principle of the family dinner, having time to have a family dinner together is one of the most amazing things that you could do as a family. It said that that a family dinner almost acts like a vaccine against all sorts of the evils that are out in society. It said that uh, kids that uh, have a family dinner are the ones that are less likely to smoke, they're less likely to drink, they're less likely to do drugs, they're less likely to get depressed, develop eating disorders, or consider suicide. They're more likely to do well in school, delay having sex, eating their vegetables, they're more likely to learn big words, and they're more likely to know which fork to use. It said it just acts like a vaccine. And it said, and just think about it. Now, at the mealtime, it's not just to eat. It said it's there so that you can talk and spend that quality time together. And Time Magazine said this. It said if it was just about food, we would squirt it into their mouths with a tube. You know? It said, but it's not just about food. It's about civilizing your children. It's about teaching them to be a member of the culture, to be a member of the family. Spending quality time together and doing that with a family dinner. And I can't tell you how important that is, that you would eat meals together and spend the quality time. And that goes for every one of you. That goes for parents being there home from work. It goes for kids not being off to this event and that event and saying, no, do I have to eat with you? Do I have to eat with you? It's all of us spending the quality time together. Another thing that we see from this a passage that could be a vow for us today is this. I will protect the moral purity of my family. I will. I'll be part of this. And we see from the story last week that Jacob did not protect the moral purity of his family. He did not protect it. Jacob didn't do it. He had a, a rape happen in their, in their family, and he didn't do anything about it. He didn't say that type of behavior is unacceptable, and those people have to pay for that. He was an inactive dad. He has one of his sons that has an affair with his stepmother. I mean, you you see this and he's not doing anything about it. And when I look at this, I see a vow that says, I will protect the moral purity of my home, of my family. And all of us need to do this. And if I could speak really, dads, it really comes to you. Or single parent, it comes to you. This is one you've got to own. And the biggest thing, I'll tell you, two areas, TVs and computers. TVs and computer. You have got to control the TV viewing. You have got to control the movie viewing. You have got to control the computer. The things that are being sent, I'll never forget, our boys came to us and they said, some of our friends sent us this. They thought it was a funny email and it's terrible. And I said, we have a filter on this. I'm going to see these things when you go to sites like this. And they said, we don't want to see these things. So we have filters. We have reports. We have things that are there and we have locks on our TVs and we've locked it out with a code. They don't know the code and when we're gone, they can only watch to a certain rating of TV channel. When we're gone, they can't watch channels. I mean, they can't. Those channels are locked out on them. You've got to control the moral purity of your home and it doesn't end there. A friend of mine said that his son went off to college and he said that his son handed him his laptop. He said, Dad... I want you to put the filter on here. He said, I'm going off to college. I want you to put the lock on here. I want you to do it. I want you to know it and me not to know it. I want you to do this for me, Dad. That's good. That's good parenting. That's good parenting. 
control the purity. You're going to have to be part of this and control the purity of the home. A third vow is this. It would be a vow that you could add to your life saying, I will never forget at times that I hurt and disappoint those I love. I will never forget that I do it at times, that I hurt people that I love. I, I, I'm part of this. And I, I got to say this. Jacob is quickly becoming one of my least favorite people in the Bible. Okay? I'll just tell you this. Because if you know the story of Jacob, if you know the story of Jacob, in, in Genesis 33, he has a big reunion with his brother Esau. Here's a brother that he had ripped off. Here's a brother that he had cheated, and he's all worried about it. And so he's going back to his brother, and his brother, who lived like a wild man, who he had cheated out of the birthright and had done this, and had just kind of deceived his father. And if you don't know the story, you can read it in Genesis. Jacob goes to Esau and has an opportunity because Esau forgives him. Esau, the Bible says, hugs him and kisses him. The Bible says that they wept together and they had this amazing time of forgiveness. Now, Jacob doesn't go and teach his kids this. Jacob doesn't go and teach his kids, like, guys, you've got to understand, teachable moment here. Dad did this to his brother, and, and, and I was forgiven, and you guys got to understand. And it'd just be amazing if, if you could see that in the story where it said that Jacob taught that to his boys and realized he's part of the problem, and he hurts, and he does this, and he doesn't, he doesn't admit to it. He doesn't help his kids. You have to realize you're part of this. And you've got to say, I will never forget that I'm part of it. I do it. I disappoint them. And I am part of it. And I'll say this. When you disappoint others, two huge, huge words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Two huge words. Uh, some of the most powerful words, uh, dads, that you can say, I'm sorry. I did it wrong. Moms, I'm sorry. Kids, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did it wrong. I'm sorry. I really Truly, I am sorry for what I've done. I realize I do it. Which this is number four is I will assume my part of the responsibility in restoring relationships. I will assume my part of the responsibility in restoring relationships. You are responsible for your part of it. Now, I know that we like to pass off the responsibility to other people, don't we? I know as a youth pastor, I used to hate that. Parents would come in with their rebellious 16-year-old and say, fix them. <laughs> I say, you got them into the mess, you fix them, you know. Matter of fact, I'm reading a book right now. Um, it's called Your Kids Are Your Own Fault. And uh, <laughs> I'm not ready to recommend it, by the way, but it does have an interesting opening. You know, it's by Larry Wingett. And uh, he says, your kids are a reflection of you. And they say, he said, if you want better kids, be a better parent. If you want better kids, uh, be a better parent. Realize you have a part in restoring relationships. You have a part in this, and you own your part of it, all right? Um, there's an interesting, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking, and he says this. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Now catch this. It's if you notice that they have a problem, then you go to them. Did you catch that? It was like if you notice, wait for them and dig in and get ready. 
It's if you notice, you go because they have it with you. And I think this goes great with this vow of I will assume my part, the responsibility in restoring the relationships. All right? Number five, praying for my family is my responsibility. Praying for my family is my responsibility. Every one of us should be praying for our family. We should all be praying and spending the time for them. And there's no mention of this that there's any prayer for the family going on, but it's a great principle, and it's missing from this story, and so it should be there. It should be that uh, Jacob was praying like crazy for his family, and we need to be praying for our family. We gave out these cards at River Valley uh, about a year ago, and we gave away cards 31 biblical virtues to pray for your kids. I pray those for my family. I pray those for the kids. Uh, I know Becca prays it for them. We pray it over them all the time. And it's, it's, it's my responsibility to pray for the family. And I keep thinking this question. It rolls over and over and over in my mind. If I don't pray for my family, who will? If I don't pray for my family, who will? Mom, if nobody's praying for your kids besides you and your husband, if you're not doing it, who's doing it? Kids, who's praying for your mom and dad? If you're not praying for them, who is? I'll tell you what, I, I know my dad prayed for me. I know, I, I know he did because I caught him sometimes praying for, him, praying for us. You know, Sometimes I think they were like preemptive prayers, like he'd pray the correction so he'd hear it, you know. Uh, <laughs> Lord, help my children today as they can hear my voice, whatever, but... Here's the thing. When my dad retired uh, after working at a car dealership for years, he came to work at the church here. And uh, he said, I just want to be custodian. I just want a no-stress thing here. I'm going to be custodian. I'm going to clean the church. And uh, he was an early morning guy, and he used to come to the church and get here before anybody else did and be cleaning and vacuuming and doing all this stuff. And I'd usually get here when he's ready to have his morning break. And when he'd have his morning break, he'd have his Bible there, he'd have the newspaper, a cup of coffee, and I'd walk into the cafe area, and I'd see Dad there. And he'd come up, and he'd give me a hug, and he'd say, son, I was praying for you today. Is there anything else I can pray for you? You know, I miss my dad's prayers. I miss him. When, when he died, I realized not only did I miss relationship with him, but I miss my dad's prayers. I mean... He was probably praying for me more than anybody else, him and my mom. And I think about it, if we're not praying for our children, if we're not praying for our parents, who is? It's our responsibility to pray for our family. Sixth one, this would be a great vow for us to put into our life that I think is right here in this story, and it's this. I will not tolerate unforgiveness. I will not tolerate unforgiveness because the, the brothers didn't get it in this story. They didn't get it that they had been forgiven. Joseph had already forgiven them. He had moved from dysfunction into wholeness. And I can prove this to you. Joseph, before his brothers came to him, he had two boys. And you know what he named his boys? He named his first son Manasseh. And you know what that means? That means making me to forget. That's what it means. And so he named his first son Manasseh, and he said, God is making me to forget all the evil that my brothers did to me. And he's making me to forget. I mean, that's just amazing what he said. And so that's what he said. That's the first name, making me to forget. And the second name of his son was God has made me fruitful. And so he's saying here by declaring the two boys' names, he's saying, making me to forget all the wrong that was done 
and making me fruitful, moving me out of my dysfunction into my functioning, into the wholeness, into the goodness that God has for me. And then the brothers show up. And so the reason he could say, guys, you're really forgiven. I've already named my boys, making me forget and being fruitful and moving on to the goodness. And that's God's vision for you, making me forget, forgiving those people that have hurt me and moving on into the wholeness. And that's what God has for your family. And it'll only happen if you forgive. You're going to have to say, I forgive you, 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 I forgive you. And when you're tired of saying, I forgive you, you're going to have to say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And some of you say, well, it's only 70 times 7, and I think my brother could hit 490, all right? (laughs) Okay, the whole principle there is don't count, okay? Don't count. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Man, the the passage here, you know what this means? It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. And the implication here in this passage is that forgiveness is something that you should wear every day. Forgiveness is something that should define us. Forgiveness is something that should just be that just it defines us as families and it says you know what as followers of Jesus we forgive as families we forgive and we've moved out of the dysfunction into the wholeness and we forgive each other and we wear this every single day it's a beautiful thing six beautiful things from this passage six vows if you will that if we can add them to our lives I believe God will move us from dysfunction into wholeness, into the way that he wants us to be. God wants us to forgive. God wants us to forgive our families. And if we can't do that, we'll live dysfunctional lives. We'll live separated from the people that God wants us to love the most. And we'll live just in a way that will not be a witness to the world because the world should be able to say, didn't your brother do that to you financially? Yeah, but you know what? I forgave him. Didn't your sister? Yeah, but I forgave him. Didn't your dad? Yeah, but I forgave him. Man, that's a message to the world because the world doesn't live that way. The world doesn't live that way. The world says, hold it against them. More power to you because you won't talk to them. Good for you. Just take it to them. Maybe you'll have a chance to get revenge. That's not God's way. God's way is forgiveness. So as I close this service, I just want to say this. One of the things that we're called as a church is a family. We're called a family. And the neat thing is the way to get into this family is by asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins. It's an amazing thing. You can move from being outside the family to being inside the family by asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And he offers the greatest forgiveness to come into his family. He says, I know the wrongs you've done. I know all the sins you've done. I know all the bad that you've done. And I want to offer you forgiveness. I want to say that you can be family. You can be a son or a daughter. I love that. I love that we can be forgiven and part of the family of God. And so I can't think of any better way than to close out this uh, series by saying, hey, do you want to be part of the family of God? Do you want to uh, be forgiven? Do you want to get in on this? Because Jesus Christ forgives us so much. And it says in that story, in that passage, Just as Christ God forgave you, if you can get that forgiveness, you can give it out to other people. And maybe the reason you can't give it out to other people is you've never received that forgiveness. So in just a minute, you're going to be given the opportunity 
to respond. You're going to be given the opportunity to become part of the family. And I just believe this is a great way to end this series by saying, do you want to be part of the family of God? Do you want to be forgiven of the things you've done wrong? Do you want to be forgiven of your sins so that God can say, you are now part of the family? A family that will love you no matter what. A family that will forgive you. A family that put up with all the things that are wrong in your life, but a family that loves you enough to say you can be forgiven and Jesus Christ can change you. So if we could bow our heads right now as we get ready to give this opportunity to give our lives to Jesus. And so Lord, I'm praying right now with everyone's head bowed and their eyes closed that they would just look inside and say, am I part of the family? Do I feel like I'm in? Do I know that I'm forgiven? Am I part of this? And if they can't say yes, I pray God that they would say yes to you in just a moment. That they would say yes to you in just a moment. That they would lift up their hands and they would say, I want to be forgiven. I want to be part of this family. I want to be forgiven, Lord Jesus. I want to be in the family of God. And so with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, Lord, I'm getting ready to give this opportunity. And I pray that people would respond. And I pray that people would just raise a hand and say, yes, Pastor Rob, include me in this closing prayer. I want in. Include me in the closing prayer. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I won't embarrass you, but if that's you, would you slip up your hand all across this place and you'd say, yes, I'm in. Yep, I see your hand. Yep, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand over here. And in the back, in that section there, yes, just went up. And in the middle, in the middle, all two, three, four, five, six, a whole clump over there, I see your hands. I come to agreement with you guys here in the middle and there and way over in the back, multiple hands going up all across this place all across the place and in the front and in the back over there front side yes 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 this is what it's all about you're going to be part of the family you're going to be part of the family not because of anything you did or you didn't earn it God's going to forgive you right now everywhere hands all over the place I come into agreement with you your hands are up right now yes this is your moment yep this is your moment thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down all across this place. I want you to keep your heads bowed, and I want you to pray this prayer. And I want other people around you to pray this with you, to encourage you. But I want you to pray this out loud, and Jesus Christ says he'll forgive you and bring you into the family of God. Pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. I want to be forgiven because of the price you paid so please forgive me I want to be in the family of God as one of your children living for you for the rest of my life I believe you died on the cross and forgave my sins and I receive that today I enter into the family of God in Jesus name and God, I thank you for those that have made that prayer real today. Dozens of hands were up. People prayed it. Maybe they didn't even raise their hand, but they prayed that prayer today and they asked for forgiveness. And I'm praying right now, Lord Jesus, that they would know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they're forgiven. The things they've done wrong, it's all been forgiven. They're part of the family of God and they are in. We now call them brother or sister. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. And you call them son or daughter. And I pray, God, that they would live in that forgiveness and move from any dysfunction with the hope that they have now, this 
belief and truth that they have been forgiven, that they would move into that fully functioning whole family member that you've called them to be. They would stand up and say, now is the time I stand up and I will take the stand for Jesus. And I thank you for that. I thank you for those that made that decision. And I thank you for those in the family here that are saying, I will stand up. The dysfunction ends here. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Can we give a hand clap for those that made that decision?